0: I go down into the water, dive as deep as man can go into those dark places, watch the underwater flow.
1: My love really is for lakes, and I think the further out of the way, the higher up a mountain, the less likely you are to see anybody. You know, those really wild spaces are where, for me, the, the really glorious moments of wild swimming happen.
2: Exploring the blue, the search of you. Here
1: I stand by the mountain.
0: Hello, I'm Colin Williams. And I'm Ian Rowlands. And welcome to Beneath the Stream, a podcast about the human experience in the non-human world. Um, now, we agree on most things, Ian. Um, do we? we I suppose We, we, do. we yeah. share views on many things. Um, the way we look at the natural world often, often comes together um, nicely. Um, but one thing that we have less of a consensus on, and that's the absolute pleasure of a wild swim and the joy of wild swimming none of those words join up no (laughs) and for me it is one of life's great pleasures i can feel i can feel the 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 differing and gentle pressures of the currents and and the contours against my skin when i enter the water you enter more gently the life of the river or the lake or the estuary or the shoreline to the kingfisher or the seal, I stop becoming a human and become instead another creature of the water. And to float on your back in a wild place and have no roof above you but the sky, I think it's a truly wonderful thing. And to help me convince you that it's a truly wonderful thing, we are joined by Karen Parry from the wonderful Swim Wild podcast. Welcome to beneath the stream, Karen.
1: Hi, it's lovely to speak to you.
0: Um, so... Before we hear about the podcast, tell us what started you on your um, wild swimming journey.
1: So, nothing as poetic as how you have just described it, I have to say. Um, Although I do, my wild swimming experience is now more how you described. But initially, it was four years ago, maybe five, I think, that I started wild swimming. And um, I was in a phase of my life where endurance sport was the thing i was pursuing um and at the time i was long distance walking um pushing myself further and further in terms of what distance i could achieve in a day and i'd signed up to do the over the um the moon walk the breast cancer kind of moon walk but because of the um path i was on there was an option called over the moon which was to do the double marathon walk starting at midnight and they gave you, I think, 14-hour cut-off point to complete that distance. So I think I worked out that if you allowed an hour for slippage of tying shoelaces, going to the loo, having a snack, that sort of thing, you had to keep up a steady three miles an hour for 13 hours. So it was pretty brutal. Um, I completed that, and the next weekend went to the Lake District in Cumbria to recover. And it just happened to be the weekend of the Great North Swim and sort of being a bit of a magpie for different sports. I saw all these people in wetsuits, grinning from ear to ear, and went straight onto the Great Swim Series website and registered to be notified when you could sign up for next year. And other than having had a few swimming lessons as a kid, I'm not a swim I wasn't a swimmer at all, but I don't know, I kind of naively thought, how difficult can it be? Um, turns out pretty difficult really if you're not great um but I I did that which was which was fine but then actually wanted to be in the water more and more and um started to meet these unearthly creatures who could swim year-round in just their swimming costume and my kind of desire for the extreme transferred onto them and I thought I want to be that person who can do that and that's when my real adventure with wild swimming started
0: amazing so and, and and was there was there a particular experience or a particular place where once you'd started that and you'd 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 swam in a few places was was there a particular turning point where you thought yeah th- this place this feeling th- this is the thing for me
1: i think um the lakes in cumbria i found particularly special I live in northeast England at the moment and so the sea is only 20 minutes down the road and it's my most accessible piece of open water. So I now swim in the sea more than anything, but actually my love really is for lakes.
0: That, that leads us to your podcast, uh, the wonderful um, Swim Wild podcast, because you, in, in that podcast, you, you have conversations with people from all over the world mm. who have so many different experiences of wild swimming and so many different motivations for doing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think what I wanted to do, well, I just wanted to talk to people about wild swimming, really, to give my friends and family a break. Um, and just to talk to people who were just as passionate, who understood the kind of addictive quality of it, how it could just grab you from the first swim sometimes, um, how it could overtake your life. So the pile of books next to your bed would all be swimming related, everything you listen to. Um, what you sort out in terms of adventure films and things so how it could overtake all that side of things so I really wanted to speak to as many different people as possible and I think I was less interested in the people who were capable of amazing things because I kind of thought for all we see them as role models and achieving amazing things they're not necessarily that relatable for ordinary wild swimmers so i really wanted the majority of my stories to be around just the really day-to-day almost mundane but they actually aren't i mean every story everyone's got is so sort of unique and magical and considering i have the same conversation every week pretty much there's just wild diversity within Mm -hmm. that same conversation of why do you do this what Drew you to it, what does it do for you um everyone's response to that i i it still surprises me that I can get so much difference out of that
2: so I wanted to ask you Karen because I, I i suddenly so i've I've got you there for the first time you're you're in a lake in the lake district in Cumbria and you're 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 trying it out and you're and you're loving it and then um you must have had a journey that took you on more of the same, which we'll come to. I'm really interested mm. in that. But going back to the talking to all these other fascinating people, does that change what you want to do, what you think about doing? Because somebody suggests something or approaches it with a certain oh, I hadn't even thought of doing that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, not Not necessarily the way I do things, but more what I might think about or pay attention to so um, somebody I interviewed who swims in Cumbria a lot talked to me about how the different lakes taste different Mm -hmm. or no actually well how they taste different but I I kind of had already got that but how the water feels different Um, and I'd never paid attention to that I have to say and we talked about you know some of the lakes are more peaty um, depending on what what the close landscape is and things so that made me next time I was very much more mindful of what does this water feel like? How would I describe it? How is that different to the sea, which is maybe more spiky? The sea is never silky to me. Well maybe it is in the Mediterranean. The North Sea, you know the North Sea is never silky. It's quite often spiky and bitey. Um so yeah, so that made me pay attention to that. And then another person that I spoke to um Gilly MacArthur, who's done quite a lot of filmmaking around um, winter swimming in particular. It wasn't so much anything she said, I just watched a video of one of her winter swims and she just paused on the water's edge and it looked like she was sort of giving up a little prayer. She just kind of took a moment to to breathe and just pause before getting in the water, which really struck me as well because sometimes I think if you know you're about to get into very cold water, it can all become quite screamy and flappy, if that makes sense. Whereas she was just very serene and quiet. And I thought, wow, look at that. That is a very different mindset to get into the water. So I quite often practice that now as well. And so there's things like that, definitely, I, I do take from either what people say or what they demonstrate, Um, yeah.
2: So that's good. So let's take a contrast with those. There's the screamy flappy approach, <laughs> which, I, which I which I want to I want to take you into that because I actually because one of the things will be this whole cold water experience. Yeah. So, so I want you to describe that to us, but also maybe follow that up with what's going through your head now when you before you get in the water. So yeah, sc- screamy flappy. Let's start with that.
1: Okay, and I haven't replaced one with the other because they're both kind of fun in different ways. They both take you a different, to a different place. But I think unless you're very mindful not to do that, the survival part of your brain will kick in instantly, obviously, because you're doing something quite extreme. The sensations are very strong and your logical brain will kick in and tell you all these scary messages to try and encourage you to get out as soon as possible. So what you really need to do is kind of overcome that. One way of overcoming that is to drown it out by just creating all this kind of energy. And if you're in a group, that is a lot of fun. That energy of kind of gasping and screaming and laughing and things, that can generate just a lovely group energy. And it it gets people over the fear and over those initial really challenging sensations of the cold water um, into that beautiful space where it gives you positive things. Because that's what you need to get through. The worst thing you can do is only stay in for the difficult part and then get out because you've never experienced the positive of it, you see. So that is one strategy to kind of get beyond that point into this beautiful space where it is doable and it's fine and it's rewarding. But then the more mindful version, I think, is a bit more of a mental discipline to kind of almost talk that survival brain down a bit um and to have a have a kind of conversation with it because your survival brain will go oh my god you can't that you're not gonna be able to do this you're not gonna be able to stay in you can probably only do 30 seconds today um your feet really hurt oh god your feet really do hurt and this is the like internal dialogue whereas i think in the more mindful approach to cold water what i try and do is just pay attention and try and put different words to that so I'm really careful not to talk about the temperature or internally say anything negative negative. and so I try and find different words to describe the sensations because it is just sensory feedback we just put negative words to it and then it becomes negative so I just try I try and actually feel it more and try and feel everything. So as you're walking into the water, obviously the cold water is creeping further up your legs. Um, And just paying attention and being very mindful and in the moment and controlling my breathing. And um, yeah, just being very much in control of that process and how I am experiencing it and how I'm responding to it. And kind of appreciating it really, because it's to have the ability or to live with access to wild places where, without signing a form or, you know, people checking you off or saying you can or you can't, to have this free access into water in beautiful places, I think is a real gift. Um, And so when I'm trying to have a mindful entry into the water, I try and kind of keep that in my mind and and just see it as quite a precious thing, really. yeah, so it's almost a bit of a, it sounds a bit hippie ish. And I'm, I'm not really that kind of person, but it is just a bit more of a sort of spiritual experience and just that quiet and more meditative. Um, just makes that entry into cold water, it's just very different, different energy.
0: Exploring the blue.
2: It's interesting how often we have conversations with people, and everybody feels obliged to say, "It sounds a bit hippie-ish," and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm not really that kind of person. But it's actually it's it's kind of the human condition, isn't it? That we mm. we have a lot going on inside us when we do thi- mm. things that the way you're describing it feels completely viscerally physical. Because actually, I can feel my heart quicken as you were describing. The cold water gradually going up your legs. I'm, I was there with you, <laughs> uh, but I also like the fact that there is uh, there's an additional dimension to it that all humans experience, whether they're a, whether you can articulate it or not. And I presume some of the people you interview can express that better than and for others, it's in them. But yeah, it, but it comes out. Absolutely.
1: A way. And I think one of the people I spoke to is an artist. She's a she's a dancer and um, has different sort of practices as well. And um, she was probably the least self-consciously hippie-ish, if you like, um, and made no apology for talking about it in a very spiritual sense. Um, and I think, I think for me that's something I'm kind of exploring at the minute. I've just read the book that Ginny Reddy has put out called Wonder, Wonderland. Called Wonderland, where she her description is she's looking for the magical in the landscape, and I think partly being on her journey, reading that, and relating to it very much, um, has kind of made me reflect more on my um, more kind of spiritual connection um, because I think there's lots of different things. There's something very very physical. But then there is something about the beauty of the places you are and the effects, if you allow it, that that can have on you.
0: And I, I you know, I've, while you've been talking and while you've been, you know, trying to, you know, Ian's scepticism has been slowly, hopefully, <laughs> ebbing away a little bit. I've just been nodding and smiling all the way through. Cause I, <laughs> you know, I recognise all of the things you're talking about. But again, do you do you feel now that that when you swim, you you're more able to experience both the spiritual as you described it parts of the swim as well as the physical parts of the swim or does that depend on the swim that you're doing? Uh, Are some swims just still pure exercise and exhilaration and other swims are different?
1: I think it's maybe the intention I set out with and whether I'm swimming alone or whether I'm swimming with a group or whether it's just a couple of us or whether there's a fairly big group. Um, All that differs because you can and set out from home anticipating you're going to have a very quiet meditative swim but if 15 people turn up then you know your plans kind of change um and sometimes there's just sort of spontaneity on the day you don't necessarily know what you're going to get or how you're going to feel um or what it's going to be like um because for all i only live 20 minutes from the coast the weather can feel very different here than it can do For some reason, the wind seems to whip up the minute you start getting undressed. I think that's the weather gods just having a good old joke on you, really. Um, And all that can sort of change things, because I think sometimes as well, I find if I've got any resistance, so if I'm tired or just not feeling quite 100%, if I run into the sea, it's just easier. Because, again, the act of running propels you faster than your frightened brain tries to catch up and you're kind of in before it's even got those messages to you about, oh, are you sure you should be doing this? And would it not be nicer to sit in the car and have a coffee kind of thing? Um, so it really sort of just depends. But I definitely... Um, like both really. I think I wouldn't necessarily want to just settle for one or the other. I think the joy really is that even if you swim in the same place every day, every swim will be different. So the landscape will look different every day because of the light and the clouds and there might be birds flying over or is it raining or a whole lot of different things. Um, And the water will feel different. And even if the temperature of the water is the same as the day before, it can feel really different just because of what the weather's like. So um, it can be really interesting to see day-to-day how your body responds, how quickly you start to feel the cold, um, how quickly you know know, when you get out that buttons are gonna be almost impossible. Things like that are different day-to-day.
2: I really like that because I guess almost every athlete has a, a really uh, intense relationship with how their body responds to things. Mm. But um, so just a, my background actually is in like ocean conservation. So we, for years we've run large scale whale festivals. So I know a lot about whales and dolphins. And, and as you were talking, I was thinking, um, so whales have a skin or dolphins that feels a bit like an aubergine. When you, when you, right, yeah. You know, if a wild animal swims up to you and you touch it, That's what it feels like. But the thing that always amazes me is that a whale that's like, you know, 20 meters long and it's huge, can tip the boat over that you're in. If you touch it and it's not expecting to be touched, they flinch. So that thick blubbery skin is incredibly sensitive. So when you were talking about the feel of water and the very physical experience, it made me think, wow, I'd forgotten that humans can... Do that too. And I guess, has that been a big part describing the physical? Have you become more highly tuned to all mm. of that?
1: Yeah. And I think whether you swim in the sea, in rivers, or in lakes, I think they're quite different as well. And thinking about what is underneath you and around you, potentially, um, what that might have been that just touched your leg, um, and all those sorts of things as well, kind of come into that. Um, just all-round awareness because depending on how dark or clear the water is a lot of the time you can't really see you can barely see a hand that you stretch in front of you in some of the lakes um and that gives it a different sort of quality as well of really testing your nerve on not again not letting this part of your brain fill you with stories of monsters while you're swimming because you know you've got a real potential of if your head decides to pop this thought in of oh what might be underneath then that is a bit of a um yeah it can really psych you out if you're if you haven't got a way of sort of just coming to terms with that and getting mm. over that really because
2: i totally want to talk about that is I, I presume you deal with that colin too do you it-
0: I suppose I suppose you're always making a bit of a deal with the water um, when when you get in, and and I think the um, you're constantly testing the limits of yourself. And and one of the senses that I've really come to um, appreciate, as well as um, you know the senses of of temperature and, and what you're seeing and what you're experiencing, is the sound as well. Um, because when you're wild swimming, the acoustics, the acoustic ecology. Of where you're swimming can vary wildly depending on where you are Um, but when I swim in a swimming pool now and I hear that kind of horrible close echo of a swimming pool it really jars now Um, because when you're when you're wild swimming all that is taken away and there are echoes because you might be swimming through trees or you might be swimming through rock canyons or, or whatever it might be but the the echo is different and I was going to ask Karen if you've ever swum in darkness and, uh, and not been able to see around you but just had the senses of your your ears and what you're feeling?
1: Yeah I've done some night swims but what we've done is always put lights in tow floats so I mean it obviously doesn't no. give you loads of light but it you know it gives enough and I think once your eyes are accustomed to the dark depending on where you are so if we're at the coast we would have the street lights um that you would never really escape. Um, I've never at night where there wasn't any kind of light pollution so nothing so you would have to let your eyes get accustomed to Mm. the dark but i do think that brings a total extra um set of responses really because i think just being out in the dark anyway calls on different senses doesn't it because obviously your eyes stop being your primary source of information and all of a sudden everything else is more heightened because you need it more to navigate and to stay safe and things. Um, So I do think swimming at night is one of the most magical things. It's just fabulous. Um, Yeah, just to add that extra, it's just that extra magic really and degree of challenge. Um, And I think it's also something about I don't know the the kind of the between two worldsness of things. So night and day and light and dark and those kind of the the spaces in between. So obviously sunrises and sunsets are glorious times to swim. And at dawn and twilight and things and those those changing times I think are really interesting times to swim and either watch the sky get in light or watch the light leave the sky Um, and I think they're kind of magical times anyway but to then be immersed in the water where you kind of see the world at a very different eye level and have all those sensory experiences it's yeah it's just magical
0: dark places watch the
2: underwater flow So um, so it's interesting because I wanted to ask you, here's a, an enormous question, but I guess it's a, you might pluck an example because when you're doing something like that, and actually we've spoken about overcoming those fears that are in your head, are there random other thoughts that come into your head while you're swimming? Is it a time when you can think about stuff or are you too immersed in the physicality of it?
1: No, I think... Um If I'm doing a longer swim, then there is a sort of rhythm that you get into where the being in the water and the sensoriness of that almost sort of starts to blend into the background because all the immediate temperature sensations, you've kind of got used to them and that just is what it is. You're not getting that feedback anymore and you're used to the water feel and the water taste. And so I think the repetitive nature of doing your stroke is a bit like, I used to run, so it's a bit like not having to think about the running and being able to get out somewhere else in your head. But what's really interesting actually is there are some channel swimmers who stay entirely present in the swim and I just find that mind-blowing yeah, who aren't interested in singing songs or playing their whole favourite album in their head or doing their shopping list or anything like that, they actually want to be in the moment for those 20 odd hours of their massively long swim which just blows my mind in terms of how much mental um, strength for me anyway, I think that takes to just face the task that you're doing constantly 100% for the full distance so I'm always fascinated if I if I get a long distance swimmer who that is their approach I tend to pick and pick and pick going like what what is that about um yeah so but actually for for some people they've kind of said those times where they can take 20 odd hours to do a swim is where they can be actually completely mindful there's no other distractions they have a support boat who are taking care of everything all they have to do is keep moving their arms and so actually it is just a gift to be given that amount of space and time to be with themselves and not have all the pressures of you know all the rest of life um but yeah, I am still find that phenomenal that people are able to do that.
2: When you're in the water, and I've swum off the coast, say at Brighton or something like that, you, you, you view the land really differently. The whole perspective is really skewed, isn't it? Things look yeah. different. And I guess it's, it's part of that. It's part of something which I'm trying to clutch at straws with you guys. Think, What's it like, you weirdos, being out there in the water? And, and the way that you think about coming back to land or what the land looks like or whether it changes you in some way
1: and I think it's different depending on where you are so for the coast here I mean you can drive a bit further and get to some wild places so when you were getting out it would still look wild, there'd be no visible civilization. and I think that's a bit different to getting out when the beach is in the city and there's fish and chip shops and you know what you'd kind of expect and that's a, that's a bit different um, but then if you're in a lake high up a mountain then I think the difference between the land and the water is a bit more blurred really because you're still in the wild landscape with you know unless you're with anybody with no one else in sight um and so I think there's a bit of a different feeling really um because you're still somewhere wild whereas I think for me where I swim here domestically once you're out of the sea you're back in the world you know the commercial busy sort of world um But just going back to the previous point about being in the zone i think i can probably more relate to that in terms of i can be in the water not doing a long swim just maybe lying on my back and just really experiencing it and looking at the clouds and listening and that then i think can be difficult to get out i mean sometimes you're kind of forced out because sensibly you know you're getting to the point of it is getting too cold so you have to get out but psychologically or emotionally it can be really difficult to make that transition because actually where you're being held in the water and what you're experiencing is just so lovely you don't want that to end because the next time you get in it'll be just as magical but in a different way and because each swim is unique when it's over it's over you know, it's like, it is. Well, it's water, isn't it? It's like water trickling through your fingers. You can't hold it. It is just in the moment. And once that moment's gone, it's gone. So I think for me, that is the, the nearest I can empathise to having been in a, in a moment and finding that transition out of the water difficult.
2: So uh, two things you mentioned earlier on that I kind of I wanted to dive in at the time. Uh, but I thought I'd wait because you were in the flow of things all these watery metaphors you were
1: using loads of swimming metaphors
2: Um, you talked about the fear and I guess I suddenly had also that visceral, something's just touched my leg, what was that (laughs) but I guess what it was really leading on to was have you been in the water and there's been um, an animal or a creature or something non-human that has been near to you and you've had that different connection with it, are there any examples of things like that?
1: So we get seals quite often, um, which are a bit ninja-like, I always think, because this head pops up, and you know there's a much bigger body underneath. You just see the head, a bit like a periscope. And then they submerge again. And, of course, you've got no idea which direction they've gone in. Um, So that... I mean, I've never had a negative encounter, so I don't necessarily then immediately panic. But there is this kind of thing of... I'm in your territory, you are much more equipped for this environment than me, Um, and just paying that amount of respect really, Um, and just to keep an eye out, but I mean, I've never had any, um, like I say, no negative encounters, it's, I mean, that always feels quite magical when that happens, Um, there is a pod of dolphins, I think, wander up and down the coast, who never come in very close but if they end up going past when you're swimming that just feels like i don't know you have just had gold showered on you or something it's it's incredible to think that you know we would even see creatures like that off the north coast you know off sunderland for god's sake um to be in the water and swimming as they're going past that is that is amazing and i mean we've had um i don't know summer solstice swims Where all of a sudden they've appeared and put on a little performance of leaping out of the water and things. And that always just adds, I don't know, it's just layer upon layer of just being given all this stuff for the effort of getting up at that time in the morning, which is lovely. But in the sea this morning, we were dive bombed by terns. There were little fish in the water, so the terns were diving into the water really close to us. And that was just magical because. The speed that they hit the water, it was just incredible and there's loads of them. Um, And that was pretty fabulous. Um, And then we'll get geese flying across. I was in a lake once and a swan started to take off. You know how they do that run along the water with their wings flapping? And it takes them a while to get up in the air and it was coming straight for me. And I thought the only place to go is under the water at this stage because it's going to take my head off. actually it got airborne just in time so I didn't need to but that was I mean it was both spectacular and terrifying I've got to say.
0: And I, I think it's also not only the different perspective we get or one gets when one's swimming but it's also then then the clear different perspective that those animals have of you. Like I said in my introduction I've had lots of really lovely experiences With things like kingfisher where they're they're just skimming across the water in front of you or or they don't fly off from their perch that's very close to you because you've stopped becoming this two-legged threat on the bank and suddenly you're just this piece of jetsam um Mm. floating down the river instead or swimming down the river so i think they there's a certain extent where they lose their their normal cautiousness of of humans as well which i really really like Thank you so much for talking to us Karen It's been a fantastic conversation i have I have one more question for you really and it's it's a bit of a smash hits question unfortunately <laughs> but, um, it, it's uh, but but I really want to know because I'm always looking for new places and new experiences and and so is is there a place wh- where wherever it is in the world that was was a real um stone-cold knockout of a wild swim for you, a location that you either never get tired of or just has stayed with you?
1: Um, I think I'd find it difficult to say a place because for me it isn't necessarily the place that does it. I think for me it would be, I'd be just quite general about it and it would be in the Lake District and it would be a fairly high up tarn there'd be snow on the ground and you'd have to break the ice to get in that would (laughs) I mean Ian's face is just a picture of that but that to me that would be that would tick every box if it was me and one friend and we had flasks of coffee and cake for afterwards and swimming with my bobble hat on in that setting um yeah that that ticks every single box for me
2: and if that is not an image to leave our listeners with at the end of the podcast, <laughs> I can't think of a better one. <laughs> That's glorious, Karen. Thank you so much. And, You're uh, welcome. I, I have adopted the role, because it needed it, I think, this podcast, of the cynic, but I, I, can, <laughs> I can see the appeal. I love being in the water. I don't want to break the ice and wear a bubble hat, but, uh, but I, <laughs> I salute you for that. It's
0: been a real pleasure speaking to you. Thanks so much for joining us, Karen.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome. It's been so nice to talk
0: to you. Thank you for listening to Beneath the Stream. Um, We'd really love you to go on to iTunes or Google Podcasts or Podbean or wherever it is you listen to our podcast and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And also tell us what it is you want us to uh, explore in future. Thanks so much.
2: Dream dust of the
0: sunrise that day. Still the breeze that carried you away. This loss is everywhere.
1: I can touch and feel your life there. By the power of my desire